1: The premier podcast for all things
0: Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonagall.
1: You guys wanted it, you got it. Blue White Breakdown. Bob Flounders, Johnny McGonagall, Johnny checking in. For those of you who are not looking at Johnny, and you're just listening in. Johnny is in Atlanta. Actually, he's in Athens, Georgia, en route to New Orleans for a little frolicking this weekend, but he is a committed podcaster. Johnny is with me now. A lot of news on the Penn State front. Johnny and I were at Penn State Pro Day last Friday. Uh, I was up at practice last night, and this is a time-sensitive podcast. There's going to be some men's basketball news very shortly regarding the next coach uh, this is only one, this is one of a couple podcasts we're going to be doing. We'll get into, once the details are official, uh, I'm pretty sure Dave Jones and I will delve into what's next for Penn State's men's basketball. And I'm sure he's got lots of strong opinions. So look for that uh, in a couple of days. Maybe, maybe Thursday, maybe Friday, but he's going to come in with some hot opinions. Johnny, I love that. I also love the fact that you are not in State College. You're not in Philadelphia. You are in Atlanta, on the way to New Orleans, to me, that is a great spring weekend.
0: It is, Bob. No, yeah, I'm I'm just outside Atlanta in Athens. A buddy of mine, a a Penn State grad, uh, lives here now. I haven't been able to visit him. And so I'm actually going to New Orleans for a bachelor party uh, on the weekend. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just try and let's make this, uh you know, make this time worth it and, and see if I can do a couple of different things. And uh, it's funny because, you know, him being a Penn Stater, he's very interested in how the team is going to be doing in 2023. He's asking me how, uh you know, spring practice is going. I felt like I almost got like a podcast preview. Like I was, I was bouncing material <laughs> him before he's like, Oh, how, you know, how was Parker Washington? Was he, you know, was he participating at all day? And I'm like, Garrett, if you if you read the uh, you know, the blue, you know uh, Penn Live, you, you'd know. Uh, but no, it was uh, it's good stuff uh, being down here. You got to walk around campus, pretty fun, and uh, but very fun to sit here and podcast with you as well, Bob, and, and and you know talk about this Penn State team as they're progressing through spring camp, and then the former Nittany Lions how they did uh, at pro day. As the draft is now under a month away, uh, less than a month away, April twenty seventh uh, will be the first round, followed by the second and third, then the fourth through seventh. Uh, so looking forward to that as well.
1: Let's start with the current team, Johnny. I was up there. Uh, Penn State's been really good in spring with their availabilities. Coach Franklin, uh, usually a prominent assistant, and four or five players are available uh, usually on Tuesday night after practice, Tuesday night. And it's it's a great opportunity to get a bunch of stories, talk to a bunch of people. This week on the docket, we had, of course, James Franklin, Manny Diaz, the defensive coordinator, a couple of offensive linemen, Uh, A healthy Olufashanu, Caden Wallace, Johnny Dixon at corner, Malik Mega, the uh, ultra gifted wideout who's really in uh, a battle maybe for that third receiver spot. And the always affable, uh, interesting Curtis Jacobs was also made available. So there was a lot to get to there. Johnny, I'll just start with a couple of things. One, I just one thing I just wanted to get to uh, that James talked about because I wanted to get you just your feeling on that. Uh, every once in a while he'll say something and it's just like, and usually when he says is that he means it, like he's not he's not he's not blowing smoke. But the praise he had for Caden Wallace, who is going into the spring in a battle to be the starting right tackle, he's played a lot of football at Penn State, injured down the stretch last year. Penn State's tackles. Johnny, uh, at the end of the year, the Rose Bowl run, Drew Shelton, a freshman, Bryce Effner, a guy that's not even with the program anymore, but they both played very well. Caden Wallace is now battling with Drew Shelton for the right tackle job because Olu is on the left side and he's healthy. And James said, you know what? He's one of the more impressive physical uh, specimens we've had at Penn State since I've been there. And that's 10 years. So, how did you interpret that? And I just, I mean, I, I, I don't doubt the guy looks. I mean, we saw, I saw him at pro day walking around. The
0: guy, the guy is a mountain, but I still, I still think he's got a little bit left to prove. I do think, yeah, I agree with you. I think he has a bit left to prove, and there are just a couple of you know moments kind of seared in my mind from last season, early last season, where he was getting beat off that right side, and it was just blowing up. You know, it, you know, sacks like that, they, and, and even you know, even if it's a bit you know bad pressure uh it's just ones that kill drives and so it's not like it happened every play but you know when moments like that happen you know you kind of tend to remember them and um but physically yeah he has those tools um we've kind of always known that but even then even looking at the video and stuff from you know him working out uh when you guys when we had the winter workout um availability seeing him uh you know get after it there too it's like wow okay like you have olu fashanu on the left side and, and you know you know, barring injury, you have him as an anchor of the line of the offense, and I mean, you can almost funnel the offense through a lineman as good as that. You know, as good as Olu Fashana, who could have been a top ten pick. So you know, you're secure on that left side, which is really nice. But yeah, Caden Wallace, uh, you know, he has the experience. He started, I believe, 27 games in his Penn State career so far. Um, we talked going into spring about this being a big spring for him because you know, the portal opens in May. And if he doesn't like where he stands, like, you know, that's the type of guy, you know, has a lot of experience and uh, not much time left at the college level that, you know, if things aren't going your way, you might want to look for a new opportunity. But I don't think that's, at least it's, You know, judging for right now, what what the situation is going to be like, because you also have Drew Shelton, who, you know, is going to, you know, there's a learning curve there switching from the left to the right side, Um, especially as a player as young as he is. You know, he played admirably as a true freshman on the left side last year when Pashanu went down. But, you know, if you're James Franklin, if you're Phil Troutline to have an experienced right tackle like that, who is making strides as Caden Wiles seemingly is. I mean, that's that's gravy, right? That's great.
1: Uh, It is, Johnny. And I almost look at it a couple of ways. I'm glad you
0: mentioned the transfer portal. Caden, you know,
1: Caden was starting at right tackle uh, during the COVID year. They actually kicked Will Fries, who is an NFL player right now, a starting NFL player. They kicked him inside, I believe, to guard and to make room for Caden Wallace. So you don't do that with that young of a player unless you really like his physical tools. Now. You you are absolutely correct. I think if there's there's issues with Caden, it's in pa- it's in pass protection. I think he can get after it in the run game, but you know what? So can a lot of offensive tackles. They can get off the ball, but you know you gotta you gotta have light feet. You gotta be facing some terrific uh, specimens off the edge in passing situations, and it did not go. I didn't think too well for Caden in 2021. And it didn't go well early in the season. I think for Caden. Now, I mean, I'm not. Ta- I mean, it, we could only be talking about a couple of snaps a game, right? It's not fair to say he didn't play well, but there were times in past past uh, protection situations where you could see he was either beat or struggling. And I think that's 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 the final piece uh, of the puzzle for him to be maybe an NFL caliber player. And I think that James also, when he says that. He's thinking about he needs he needs a third tackle. He'd like a fourth tackle. He cannot afford to lose Caden Wallace, even if it turns out they think they like Shelton a little bit better because then they have no one really that could play tackle I think that they really like unless they have to move some people around. The other thing is I think it's kind of a nice little reminder to Phil Troutwine that, hey, we re- I really like this guy. I mean, I've seen a lot of guys come in here, and maybe we got to get him going a little bit. So I think I, – I don't know if it's a subtle reminder – A not so subtle reminder, but physically Caden Wallace at this point, after I saw him in 2020, Johnny, first of all, I would would think that he wouldn't even still be at Penn State. He might be in the NFL, but for whatever reason, it was an injury last year. They have to get him over the hump, and I think it's a big spring, and I'll be curious to see how Phil Troutwine and James Franklin kind of manage this situation. Because you want to encourage both Drew and
0: Caden, because you're definitely going to need three tackles. Absolutely, and you know you look at it not just at like that position right there for how important it is, just nailing down that position and getting your guy. But you have to take a broader look at the offense too, and kind of see how important you know a right tackle is, you know, for a Drew Aller, assuming he is the guy at quarterback. You know, a, a first year starter guy with a lot of talent, a lot of promise, a lot of pedigree, but. You know, when you have a guy who, yeah, he played in 10 games last year, 140 plus snaps and got some good reps that you're you're probably happy with. But, you know, he hasn't been really under the bright lights, minus a couple of series here and there. And so um, when you have a guy like that and with a bunch of talent around him. You need to be sure. You need to be surefire up up front. You really do. And and I feel like again the left side, you feel like it's pretty taken care of. It's it's pretty rock solid right now. But you, know, you just can't have those lapses. You can't have those miss assignments or those miss pass pros that you know leaves a guy like Drowler out to dry. Um. And so yeah, I think that right tackle spot is really important to get nailed down now and and really into the summer and into fall camp. Uh, wide receiver as well because I know James talked about that and said that. You know, Keandre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace uh, had separated themselves from the pack at this point uh, at wide receiver. And they'll be looking to see who that third, fourth, fifth guy will be um, really come the fall. You have Dante Cephas coming in from, you know, Kent State. You've got Malik McLean, the Florida State transfer, a big dude who we saw a pro day. And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I understand why he was a blue chip recruit coming out of IMG Academy because I mean, he's tall. He's got, he's got all the physical tools you would want in a wide receiver. It's just a matter of for him putting that all together. But um, again, that's a position where you have to look through the lens of how are we going to help our our quarterback, our first year starting quarterback in a year with heavy expectations, you know, internal, external for this team that has a boatload of talent. The wide receiver position I think is the most interesting position uh, in spring camp. And, 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 that's not going to change either, really, until uh, the opener against West Virginia. But that right tackle spot is right behind it, Johnny. I think your your point about Malik
1: and what he looks like and what he was able to do uh, is spot on. Physically, uh, he caught passes from Sean Clifford at his pro day last Friday, and the other Malik, Malik Mega, was available after practice. There are, I'm telling you, there are not two more physically impressive wideouts on the Penn State roster, but that's really not i mean is it's nice to catch passes and look good against air but there's just too many other variables that go into a successful passing game and being a wideout i mean you i mean it's about great hands it's about great routes it's about having the trust of the quarterback all of that factors in there and um for them to nine up i mean they're still looking for some people uh and and, and you know you, you i mean you can you can see why they like Keandre uh, after the Rose Bowl. And you can see physically in a lot – in different ways, I think um, Trey Wallace, Harrison Wallace is, is, is just a, another phenomenal athlete. Maybe not as sturdy as those other two guys, but they have clearly separated because James has gone back to that a couple of times. So he's got a half dozen guys that he wants to see make a move, and he's also got hopefully Dante Cephas coming in, and it's a nice problem to have. And if two or three of them pop, they're good. But they need at least two more receivers to pop or else there's going to be some, I think, concerns. Because I think that, you know, Keandre isn't, isn't quite all the way there yet. And you could say the same thing about Harrison, but boy, they like what they've seen. So wide out to me, you're right. We've talked about it. The most interesting position, Johnny, before we get to pro day, I just wanted to just talk a little bit about Manny Diaz and what he had to say a little bit. Just listening to him talk. Um, and I know they lost, they lost Jair Brown and I know they lost Joey Porter, and I know they lost PJ Mustafer and they're all, all these guys that are going to play I think, in the NFL in some way, shape or form. I don't know when they're all going to get drafted other than Joey, um, but I think they're all NFL caliber players, no question. but just listening to Manny and looking around and looking at that depth chart, I think I think Manny Diaz looks at his roster and knows. It's not like he's got. I I mean, it's not like he's got three of a kind or a full house in in a game of poker. But I think he really likes his hand at this point in spring, just because of what he has at pass rusher, what he has at linebacker, what he has at corner and at safety, even without those guys. And it's really about just getting a couple other pieces up to speed. I think defensive tackle is one. I think it's figuring out some some different ways to use some young players. That's another. But boy. I think athletically this, this defense, and I, I I know I'm saying this now, but I, I think that with the with the addition of Storm Duck and some of the progress of the young safeties, I think this defense really has a chance to be even better than it was last year.
0: Yeah, you said Manny Diaz likes his hand. I wouldn't blame him at all. That you know, if you're talking about if you're playing blackjack, he's sitting there with a, a twenty against a four. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, the, the you know, what you have from front to back, uh, you mentioned the pass rush and. Chop Robinson, one of the best pass rushers in the country. Decent Isaac, who could be, you know, he could have been at pro day uh, last week if he really wanted to. Um, Deny Dennis Sutton will probably have a pro day in a couple years. Uh, That's the trajectory that he's on. Defensive tackle is the concern, Um, and I know that they tried to get in the portal and and get a piece or two there uh, before it closed before spring camp. I still wouldn't be surprised if they explore that avenue once it opens again in May. We'll see what pickings are kind of out there for them. What, what kind of options are available? We always know that after spring camp, when those conversations happen across the country, players and coaches that guys will ultimately enter the portal. So maybe there will be a spot there. But even even if they don't get anyone from the portal, it's probably the concern point for them. But you know, Hakeem Beeman is experienced, and um, you know, you can look for you know steps up from you know Izzard and Durant who put on weight. Uh, this offseason to, to handle the run game a little a little bit better, a little sturdier. Uh, but you have to love what you have at linebacker and, and, and in the secondary. When you have Abdul Carter playing next to Curtis Jacobs, um, when you have Kalen King playing with Storm Duck and Johnny Dixon and at safety, even losing Jair. You know, I mean, Jalen Reed played 400-plus snaps for them last year. Zaki Wheatley is a ball hawk. Keaton Ellis, I think, is going to have an NFL career, at the very least, as a special teams guy because he's so cerebral. He just kind of knows where to be um, for the most part. And I, and I look for good things out of K.J. Winston as well. So, like, I just kind of went through a bunch of different players there. But, I mean, if you're Manny Diaz going through your players, if you're sitting there in the in the defensive staff room looking at, at, your, at your whiteboard, and you have the two deep and three deep up, you've got to be pretty pleased. And again, it's all barring injury, assuming these guys you know, stay healthy throughout the rest of spring camp, uh, as long as they stay healthy throughout the summer and, and in the training camp. Because the last thing you want is a freak injury to a player like a chop or an Adisa or whatever, um, especially with Adisa, you know, coming back from injury like he did last year. They're going to be in pretty good position. They're going to be in really good position, and obviously the, the shiny toys on offense with you know Nick Singleton and Allen and, and Theo Johnson and Aller and all that. That's nice. This defense is going to be nasty next year. It's going to be nasty, and Manny Diaz has every right in the world to be confident on March 28th um, as as confident as he'll be. I'm sure in September, October, November. And just real quick on the safeties, because I agree with you, but and Johnny, you can speak to
1: this a little bit more than I can. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when August practice starts, they have two phenomenal safeties, at prospects that are going to be joining the safety room that were coveted, coveted recruits and really two of the better prospects in, in the class.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they already have a few of the DBs uh, in yep. as early enrollees. But yeah, I mean, the, the talent that they have coming in that you know, it, with Elliot Washington is, I think, the big one. He I mean, Mack is another guy I think that's a really coveted guy,
1: is he not? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, w- I think I got this one right, Dakari. That's the other guy I've been following you, and I know I'm just <laughs> I'm looking at those rankings and I'm looking where they are. And safety is one of those positions where not if if they need somebody, if they need if they need somebody that if if they flash it all in August, they won't hesitate to run those guys out there. And they were they were near the top of the board as far as uh, the prospect rankings. And I'm just thinking about, hey, what if this team doesn't have four really good safeties? What if they have six really good safeties? Doesn't that trump a little bit losing Jair Brown if you're gonna if you're gonna roll those two cats in? Cause I mean, man, I, I just think I think the poker hand is good for Manny, and I think it's getting better by the practice.
0: Yeah, and in front of the safeties at linebacker, you want to talk about freshmen, Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson, um, you are already looking the part uh as early enrollees, and we've seen that Manny Diaz uh has no problem whatsoever playing a true freshman who proves that he's able to be on the field and and not only hang but you know thrive. And so th- they'll have opportunities as well to get on the field. It's going to be tough to, you know, take snaps away from Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs, you know, but you're talking about collection of four-star guys who could very well earn playing time. Uh yeah, and again, that all starts now. And I, I was interested in, you know, hearing what James Franklin had to say, you know, the first question to him uh Tuesday night was basically how do you feel about, you know, your team two weeks into spring ball? And he said that he thought that, you know, the younger players, you know, have to really start to step up a little bit, you know, that they uh, are maybe still like a little too timid. But if that's not the case, you know, come August, you know, those guys get comfortable. Um, He didn't single anyone out. But, yeah, we're talking about these guys, you know, these early enrollees that could have a real opportunity to get some playing time come the fall.
1: Yeah. This is the Blue White Breakdown.
0: Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth.
1: Blue white breakdown. Johnny McGonigal down in Athens, Georgia. As we as we record this, Bob Flounders, uh, Johnny. I wanted to reference uh, something you wrote about maybe potential NFL fits and draft for the for the for the Lions that are available in the draft. But before I get to that, there's just one thing from Pro Day. Just want to throw it out there because uh, we both uh, we both were a little taken aback. But just your thoughts on Sean Clifford got a chance to throw, he got a chance to run, and then. He was asked about the combine snub. He did not go to Indianapolis, and he, he he didn't wait. He was almost like he was hoping he would get asked the question. He said he was absolutely disrespected. He said his body at work at Penn State. Uh, there was no reason he shouldn't have been out in Indianapolis. I'm all for I'm all for guys who use motivation to get better, however they can. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not so sure how accurate that is because I think there's a finite of amount of quarterbacks that make it to the combine every year. There were some good quarterbacks at the combine. Sean Clifford had a tremendous career at Penn State, capped it with a great performance uh, against Utah in that Rose Bowl. But it almost, he's, I just think, I, I mean, I like the mindset. He's definitely got a, he's, he doesn't, he's got a boulder on his shoulder. He doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. He ran sub four, he ran like a four, five, seven at the pro day. I just don't know how all that's going to shake out when it comes to the draft, I guess is what I would say.
0: Yeah, I would be I would be stunned if Sean Clifford got drafted and it just kind of is what it is. There's there are a lot of quarterbacks that are better than him. There are a lot of quarterbacks that are younger than him. Uh I mean, if you're looking if you're an NFL team and you want to take a chance, especially late in the 6th or 7th round, you know, you're going to lean towards taking a 21-year-old versus uh, I mean, how how old is Sean?
1: So I think he's I think he's going to be twenty five in July. Honestly, I think he's I think he might be a couple months older than Jalen Hurts. Don't don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he is.
0: Yeah. So look, I mean, there there are older guys get drafted. It happens. Uh, Brandon Whedon, if you remember, yeah. was uh, was one. Um, like I, I expected him, I expected Cliff to come out and say he felt disrespected because of course, like you know you, you put together a, overall a good career and you set all these records, and the way you finished your career in the Rose Bowl was yeah, I mean, it was a great performance, it really was, um, so I get him having that chip on his shoulder and that mindset and and to kind of rev yourself up. I'm sure you you want that at that point, looking at it from a broad view i'm like I wasn't like I would have been surprised if he was invited to the combine. That's, that's just the way I look at it. And if he ends up latching on with a team, you know, I know that he's met with a couple of teams, whether it was virtually or over the phone or in person. And I'm sure, I'm sure he'll have a couple more opportunities to do that. Um, and then look, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets like a camp invite or, you know, gets signed as an undrafted free agent. But I, I think that Penn state has six or seven guys that, have a real chance to hear their name called on draft weekend. And, you know, I, I just don't think Sean is one of those six or seven.
1: Yeah. Sean has always been a determined guy at Penn state. I mean, right, right, right from jump, you know, he played a little bit in 2018 as a redshirt freshman. I think, to, I think Tommy Stevens uh, might've been dealing with her or either he was in a new role or Tommy, he might've had a foot injury. And then, you know, everyone assumed Tommy was going to be the guy I think in 19 and he transferred out because he was I don't think, ready to go in spring. And Sean Haggis had a, a really nice spring, and you know he he took the opportunity and ran with it. I mean, four time captain, four year starter you name the you name the record at Penn State for quarterbacks he's probably got it. So I think all of that probably just kind of he wanted to get something off his chest, and he did. He he went out there, and he certainly is one of the faster quarterbacks to ever play at Penn State. You know, right as as fast as Trace, maybe a little bit quicker. But again, your it, it, your 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 point about his age. I think the further you get into the draft, the more maybe that maybe they want to look at somebody younger. But he could be a guy that could go in the seventh round. He could be a priority free agent, and he could be a guy that just might just be prepared to. really, you know, you know, battle his ass off, and he could end up, you know, on a practice squad or a roster. But uh, we'll, we'll just going to have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see if all the marks and all the all the recognition he got at Penn State is going to add up to an NFL opportunity for Sean. But, Johnny, some of the guys and some of the mock drafts and some of the things you did, let's just talk a little bit about it. I'm sure it was a fun exercise for you. Uh, What did you come up with, what you liked the most? Everyone wants to know about Joey Porter in the first round. Penn State's never had, I think, a defensive back go in the first round. He is going in the first round. He's going to be at the draft in Kansas City. So how did you kind of look at this, uh, this, uh, this story that you wrote?
0: Yeah, so for the listeners who might not have been able to catch it uh, earlier this week, um, I just kind of did my own little mock draft for the Penn State players because you, know, you look around and, and understandably so, because guys like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and Dane Dane Brugler don't have time to go through and do seven round mock drafts uh, when they're doing them so frequently. Like I, I get it. So I ended up just looking at you know the like I said the the seven guys who I ultimately had uh, getting drafted for for Penn state's players and just trying to find a, a good fit for them, uh, both like round and team, uh, and just kind of do a little explainer for each of them. And I had fun doing it. And, uh, yeah, I like that kind of stuff. It's, it's interesting. It's different, especially that the timing of it was, uh, kind of the hook was, Hey, we're, we're a month away from the draft. Now pro days in the rearview mirror combines in the rearview mirror. You got top 30 visits coming up. Yeah. There's still time for some, some wiggle room, some risers, uh, in the class, uh, juice grugs, uh, being one, but it's starting to wind down now. And so, yeah, I had, I had Joey. Uh, this was one where I went back and forth on because I didn't want to be like super predictable with it. But at the same time, sometimes, sometimes these uber predictable things are predictable because they're so, that they're likely to happen. And uh, I ended up sticking him with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I just think his dad aside, you know, him being a Pittsburgh guy aside and him being friends with, you know, Mike Tomlin's kids aside, <laughs> the Steelers desperately need a corner. You know, Cam Sutton leaving, like they need a corner more than any other position on the roster. You could argue, maybe offensive tackle. I've got a couple of Steeler fans as roommates in Pittsburgh. And so they're they're all they're all aboard the 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 Joey Porter train, uh, if you will. But guess why Joey going to the Steelers and then um, you know, Jair uh going to the Packers. Uh, I, I conferred with uh, with Audrey Snyder. You gotta you
1: gotta run it by Audrey if it's gonna be the Packers. You gotta do
0: it. A noted Packers fan, and uh, she's like, "Well, if uh, Darnell Savage and uh, Rudy Ford is the starting safety uh, tandem in Green Bay next season, I might not watch." <laughs> and so I'm like, "Okay, well, yeah, so let's let's uh, let's let's give him uh, Jair Brown." And uh, yeah, so no, it was a fun exercise. Brenton Strange was one that. Um, it, it was – I stuck him with the, the Dolphins, and part of that is just the con- – he had a lengthy conversation. He sure did. With Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel uh, after – or, excuse me, during pro day. Yeah, so in the fact that the Dolphins sent McDaniel, I believe their GM was there, their offensive coordinator, like, you know, you don't you don't travel in a pack like that to a pro day if you're not really serious about taking one, maybe even two guys – uh, from that school. Cause I wouldn't be surprised if juice Scruggs went there either. So, so yeah, no, ha- had some fun with the exercise that, you know, yeah, I think, I think Penn state ha- obviously has a first round pick in Joey Porter jr. Uh, I think Parker Washington, Brenton strange, Jair Brown, all solidly probably third, fourth round guys. There's a chance that, uh, Jair gets into the second round. If someone wants to, wants to go for safety early. But yeah, and then Mitchell Tinsley, uh, probably a sixth, seventh round guy. PJ Mustafer, I think his combine did hurt him. I know we joked like that a guy like that shouldn't be running forty yards down the field anyway, like a 40 yard dash, what does it do for him? But you know, looking at just how the, the draft community has reacted to his pre-draft process, yeah, a little a little maybe disappointing on, on their end in terms of what he's put together. But he's obviously a very good player. All these guys are good players. And even if they're not drafted in sixth, seventh round, they'll end up signing with teams and uh, and, you know, hopefully for them, you know, making a roster.
1: Yeah, I would just I just would like to add, I, I, lo- I do like your, your your of all the of all the players in the fits. I think the Brenton Strange fit to me is some I mean, I was I talked to him after his pro day and they you could tell you could see him talking to to the Dolphins head coach. But you I mean, it is an ideal fit for a guy, a, a coach that comes from uh the Shanahan coaching tree and how they run the ball and the and, and the role of the role of the tight end in not only as a receiver but as a blocker really is very key to that and i hate to say it uh Mike Kosicki just wasn't it uh in Miami he's in new england now but that's i don't think that's how mike Kosicki really kind of earned his living at penn state and it's not really how he's going to earn his living in the NFL. And Brenton Strange is got it's got that rare hybrid size at 6'3" 250. You play him at tight end, uh you could play him at fullback, he could be an H back. I think he is a guy. You mentioned Juice Scruggs who has has really I think start started to really grow on teams and could see him see you could see him go a little bit earlier than I think the expectations are. But I think Brenton Strange even though it's a deep tight end class, I don't know that there's that many tight ends that can put a defender on on their butts. As consistently as Breton Strange can, and I think that there's a lot of guys that can catch passes that can run four six at tight end. But I think he's a dirty work guy that like that relishes that. And I think the NFL has caught on. And if it's if there's ten really good tight ends in this draft, I wouldn't be surprised when if all is said and done, if 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 Brenton isn't the fifth or sixth tight end picked, and that could be that could mean like round three, Johnny. I think for him, and that would be a really nice, I think. I think that would be a really nice feather, I think, in Brenton's cap. When you consider how he was undersized when he got to Penn State, he had to really work at it. And to have the year that he had in 2022, I think the more NFL teams watch the tape of his final season at Penn State and just look at his athleticism. He's a versatile tight end. And I don't I don't know how many versatile tight ends there are in the draft.
0: Yeah, and it's a difficult one with Miami specifically because they only have four draft picks um, coming in to draft weekend. I think they have a first, a third, and then like a sixth and seventh. So it might be, some might view third round being a little bit of a reach for Brenton, but at the same time, when your tight ends are Durham Smythe, uh, Tanner Connor and Eric Saubert, you, you need, you need a tight end. Uh, you, you need someone to come in and, and like you said, do that dirty work, but also you know, catch passes. Um, and so, I think Brenton can do that uh, outside of, you know, I think really the three, obviously you're interested in, in seeing where Joey Porter goes and you're interested in seeing where Jair goes, but, you know, very intrigued to see what happens with Brenton, uh, what happens with juice uh, draft weekend. Parker Washington is another uh, given the injury, you know, he said he's so close to coming back. You uh, didn't do any field work uh, at pro day, didn't do any field work at the combine after that season ending um, injury that he told us it was an ankle area. Uh, injury. At this point, every NFL team knows knows what injury was, but uh, anyway, it's serious enough that you know he said by the end of April he hopes to be able to run for teams. I mean, at that point, is it too late uh, before the the draft? Anyway, but uh, I, I put him with the Eagles. Uh, you know, knowing that team very intimately, uh, I also know that Quez Watkins ain't it, and uh, they need a third receiver uh, to complement AJ Brown and Devontae. Uh, Devontae Smith and make Jalen Hurts happy, and you know they, they're not going to have any money to spend on a third receiver with the money they're going to be giving Jalen. Rightfully so, and uh, I think Parker could be a good fit there. I've seen also him uh, mocked to like the Chiefs, and I'm sure Patrick Mahomes would love to throw to him. Uh, like he's a guy that, with the injury, you understand why uh, there's not a whole lot of buzz around him. But man, when you flip on the tape and you watch Parker Washington play, there's there's a lot to like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just so Miami Dolphins super fan, Joe Hermit, doesn't give us guff. I believe the Dolphins do not have a first-round pick because of the – Oh, we're that's right. They yeah, don't. They don't like a little tank in there, and they got, got called on it and penalized. So it might be like a second and a fourth or a second and a third and a, whatever. But I think Joe will be like, guys, they don't have a first-round pick, okay? I'm like, Joe, easy. We got it. Your, your team was cheating trying to get better draft picks. They didn't deserve one. So but maybe it's strange.
0: Hopefully he waits and listens and, and, and doesn't text us immediately as he's listening, saying, like, you idiots, they don't have a first round pick. Because I, I totally forgot that. Hopefully right. he That's know. all right. Believe me. He's he's very serious about his dolphins and his Phillies, as you well know.
1: So I just wanted to get that out there so we don't get the, I don't want to get the I do not want to incur the wrath of Joe Hermit, man, because he's he's, no he's in knows. Pennsylvania guy. And when he gets his when he gets upset, you don't you're not gonna like him when he's upset. So Joe, if that one works for you. Johnny. Let's wrap this uh, podcast up. Have a great, great weekend down South. I have no doubt that you will do just that. Uh, Dave Jones and I will be back later in the week probably to talk a lot about men's basketball. But, Johnny, have a great time down South, and I'll see you
0: next week in State College. Absolutely. Sounds good, Bob.
1: This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.